Welcome to the Sunday Message from Highview Church. <laughs> Boring over again. We got it at least morning at 10.30. Sunday morning as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and our other world. At Hollowview, the Bible serves as a foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe that we better read all the themes and flow of the biblical story. The better we put you open to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now, here's this week's message from Hollywood Church and my favorite pastor, Pastor Joel Woodard. There we are. This morning we're going to be in our series in John 15. I just want to start by reading the, the first five verses of John 15. John 15, 1 says this, I am the true vine. That's what Jesus says. And my father, he is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. So let's stop right there. I'm going to pray just one more time as we enter into the message this morning. Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see. That this very well-known passage, Lord, the, these phrases that we've heard probably since we were uh, children, that, that you would uh, remove the scales from our eyes so that we could see what you're, you're saying. Lord, that we would have ears to, to not hear all the voices that are all around us, um, that you'd quiet it and so that in the next few minutes we could hear your voice. That as the Spirit draws us to you, Lord, that we would hear you calling. That you'd hear, hear uh, you calling each one of us, Lord, that the the things that we've placed as uh, idols or, or hurts or expectations that are blocking us from allowing you to work in our lives, that we, we would present those to you even this morning. So give us soft hearts so we can understand what you're saying as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we uh, come to the seventh and final I am statement in John. Uh, if you've been with us through this series, there are seven statements of, uh, in John that Jesus pronounces I am, really echoing the name of the Lord, Yahweh, I am. And he says these different things. The first one is, I am the bread of life. We find that in chapter 6. He says, I am the light of the world in chapter 8. He says, I am the door of the sheep in chapter 10, as well as I am the good shepherd in chapter 10 as well. He says, I am the resurrection and the life in chapter 11. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life in chapter 14. And then finally, as we come to chapter 15, he says, I am the true vine. Now, each one of these statements has uh, all these roots and meanings and like a depth that we find from the Old Testament as Jesus comes and says, I'm fulfilling 
everything that the Old Testament was, was prophesying about and was talking about. But, but a lot of those are kind of unclear as you first read through them. They may not make a lot of sense. Maybe some of them are a little bit more powerful than others, but they're all maybe just a little bit fuzzy. And I don't think we find any more uncommon phrase for us, at least, than the seventh one, I am the true vine. Uh, you might be thinking, so now he's comparing himself to like a plant? So Jesus, you're a plant? Is that what we're supposed to be thinking about? A true, true vine? Like not the fake vine? Or what, what does he mean, true vine? What's he talking about this, this plant? Well, before we get to the text, I actually want to set the message up uh, by telling you about a tree in our front yard. Now, I'm no arbovitist or uh, a pilot, uh, but Ralph is an arbovitist. I can't tell you the difference between an elm tree and another, another tree. <laughs> Elm or oak. I don't even know the difference. I, I honestly couldn't tell you the difference between an oak tree or an elm tree. But I could tell you, I can tell you one tree, and that's a crepe myrtle tree. Uh, when we moved into our house uh, over 10 years ago now, and the tree in our front yard, everyone told us, oh, this is a crepe myrtle tree. And, and it's very, like, it doesn't normally grow in this area. It's meant for, like, hot weather area. And so, they, so our, whole, our whole street is like, this crepe myrtle tree, wow, what a, what a beautiful uh, tree that it is. Now, when we, we first saw it, it looked, to me, it looked more like a bush because there were so many branches all over uh, this thing. And as we got to August and September, it hadn't produced any, any flowers, so I didn't even know it produced flowers. But then in, in beginning September, late September, it, there was like one or two of these pink flowers that came out. I was like, oh, that's really, it has flowers on it. That's really kind of cool. Uh, but it looked just overgrown, so I knew it needed to be trimmed. So I got out uh, some clippers, I got a ladder, and I went up in that tree, and at the end of each branch, there's like this knob, and it has all, like, hundreds of these little branches that go off of each of these, uh, each of these branches and this little knob. And I spent days, I kid you not, up in this, like, beautiful tree, but like frustrating tree clipping off every one of those little branches. It took me days. Like for like a week, I'm up in, a, up in this like tree clipping all these things. And the next year, uh, about August and September again, uh, we look for it to bloom like maybe more flowers. And it did, maybe two or three more flowers. And then uh, it had all this overgrowth in it again. And I thought, oh man, I'm gonna have to do this all over again. Uh, and sure enough, when the spring came, just before it started budding, I went up in the tree and clipped off all of these branches, days again. Well, at this point, we had four kids who were all like six and under, seven and under, something like that. We we're super busy, and I, I'm like, it's frustrating to be out on this tree in a ladder and neighbors coming by who are concerned, like, don't stand on the top step. I'm fine. Like, but I couldn't, I had to clip all of these, these silly branches. And the next year, again, only like three or four flowers came up out of it. And I thought, this is, this is really frustrating and not worth it for me. I'm like, I'd rather just like either leave it be or do something. So, so the next year, this is like three or four years in. The next year, I go to uh, Harbor Freight and I buy a chainsaw. <laughs> and so then I take the chainsaw and I'm like, I don't have time to just sit. Our kids are busy. I don't have time to do that. So, so instead of clipping all the things, I, I chopped off every one of those branches where the bulb was, where all those trees. I chopped, I just chopped it off. And it took me about 30 minutes. <laughs> uh, 
Then I had to do some cleanup or whatever, but it was 30 minutes and it was done. I had neighbors come by and go, I hope you didn't kill that thing. And I thought, me too. <laughs> I'm no arbovitist, and I don't know what I'm, what I'm doing, but the next September uh, that came around and the plants were supposed to bloom, uh, the tree had more flowers on it than we had ever seen ever before. Uh, it was absolutely stunning. I had taken, uh, I tried to manage this tree by clipping all these little branches. And when I finally was like not knowing what I was doing, when I finally said, I'm just going to cut it off, all of a sudden that tree started bearing all these flowers, beautiful flowers, more flowers than we'd ever seen before. And that's what the tree was made to do. The tree had all these flowers inside of it waiting to come out, but it couldn't come out because it was so choked down, overbearing, like just the bush of all these extra branches. It couldn't be what it's made to be. But when it was cut back, when it was pruned, it was actually enjoying the freedom of what it meant to be a crepe myrtle tree. Now, in the same way that this tree was made to bear flowers, today we're going to see that God has made you to be fruitful. That's what he's made you to be. We're going to see about abiding in Christ and what that means about letting go of the burdens and the sin and the things that we have around us so that we can be free to bear lots of fruit because that's what God's made us to do. Now, if you're sitting here today and you're saying like, okay, now why are we talking about fruit? Like, I know it's a metaphor, but what is, the, what is fruit? What are, we, what are we even talking about? And how am I supposed to bear more fruit? You probably don't know my life and the situations that I have. You don't know the burdens and the, and the circumstances which I live in. If I get just one flower, I'm calling it great. Uh, there's just so much in my, in my life. How am I supposed to bear much fruit? Well, this brings us back to our text today. As we're we're going to look through this passage, and we're going to see uh, the difference between uh, bearing lots of fruit, much fruit, and really good fruit, and really the opposite of what the world has to offer that comes against the good fruit, but more, more specifically, it, it bears its own fruit that's really sour and, and, and rotten. Uh, we're going to borrow a term from the Old Testament that we're going to see. We're going we're to compare two, two fruits, good fruit and sour fruit, and in the Old Testament it calls it good, good grapes and sour grapes. But before we get there, there's going to be one more thing. We need a little bit of background uh, to this image of what Jesus is saying when he says, I am the true Vine. I'm the true vine. Uh, there's a theme all through the Old Testament. It actually begins on page one that you might be so familiar with that uh, you just kind of read over. Uh, the first humans are placed in a garden and they're told to be fruitful and multiply. Be, be fruitful. Have much fruit. But we know how the story goes. They they bore some really bad fruit, sin and rebellion and sinned against the Lord. And over and over again, God renews this promise, be fruitful and multiply, be fruitful and multiply. And over and over again, the, the fruit that comes from them is not good grapes, it's sour grapes. So uh, the prophets pick this whole theme up of what it means to be the vine that we find in the Old Testament. I'm just going to highlight just two of them uh, for you. And then, and then we'll get back to John 15. Uh, the, fir the first one is this, is in Hosea. In Hosea in chapter 10 and verse 1, it's, it says that Israel is 
a luxuriant vine that yields its fruit. The more his, his fruit increased, the more altars he built. As his country improved, he improved his pillars. This image of Israel as a vine, and as it produces this fruit that you would think would be pleasing to the Lord, in fact, they're using all that to like idolatry worship, like to raise that up. And where, where they could be like prosperous and like well-being, they're actually using it to support themselves. This is, this is not the, the right kind of fruit that they should be bearing. Israel, as the vine, bears fruit that actually turns from the Lord to worship idols. Look in Isaiah 5 and verse 4. I'll have it up on the screen as well. Isaiah 5 and verse 4, it says, What more was there to do for you, my vineyard, that I have not done in it? For when I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield sour grapes or, or wild grapes, bad grapes? We look down, it'll describe what those bad grapes are in verse 7. It says, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah, are his pleasant planting. He looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold, an outcry. Israel is a vine. And as, we're, as the Lord's looking for them to produce this fruit, this harvest of, of grapes, all he does is tasted these sour, rotten grapes. That, that's not what he wants. And he goes on to describe, what, what I looked for justice... All there was was bloodshed. When I, when I was looking for, for righteousness, this fruit of righteousness that would come from, all I hear is this outcry of the innocent and the vulnerable being abused. These are sour grapes. Well, Israel uh, was this picture of the vine, but it couldn't produce the right fruit. It just failed over and over and over again. Well, where you would expect life, they brought death. And so Jesus comes and as his seventh I am statement pronounces, I am the true vine. Or, I am the true Israel. The true and better Israel. Where Israel had failed, Jesus would succeed. Where his ancestors had brought death, Jesus was now saying, I am going to be the source of life that is going to allow you to produce fruit and very much fruit. Because on your own, all the fruit that's produced is injustice and sin and rebellion and rot. Now let's come back to John 15. Uh, John 15, we're set up here with Jesus speaking to his disciples. Uh, we've just seen him uh, the Last Supper. He's washed um, everyone's feet, including Judas. And then Judas is... He's put, He's going he's gonna to betray Jesus, and he gets up and he actually leaves. So he's left with 11 uh, disciples. They're somewhere between the upper room and the garden, uh, as Jesus is teaching this, maybe in the garden, maybe along the way uh, of the garden. And Jesus is going to uh, instruct them on how they are to remain fruitful, even when there's difficulties in life, even when things come and people hate them, and they're, and they're saying all kinds of things, it, what they're supposed to do is hang on. Because if they hang on, then this, this beautiful fruit will come out. These beautiful flowers will come out of them. But they, they have to hang on. Uh, where, where Judas did not hang on and was uh, taken away, if they hang on to Jesus through even these difficulties, they'll see uh, the fruit of that. So we're going to look this morning, how we're going to walk through this text, is we're just going to look at the, uh, the characteristics of good fruit, 
or good grapes, and then we'll look at the characteristics of what the sour grapes are. And we'll see how those are really in com uh, competition to uh, each other and where those sources come from and then how we can kind of contemplate our own lives and what fruit is being uh, produced in our lives and then how we can uh, hang on and abide in that, that vine. So let's look at the first one, the good grapes in John 15. We'll read 5 through 17. So John 15, beginning in verse 5. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Let's stop right there. We, we see this intimate, personal relationship between uh, the vine and the branches. No longer is, is Israel the source of, of life, like thinking it should produce all this stuff. It has the source of life in Jesus, and there's this intimate uh, connection through them, through the vine and the branches that, that produce these good fruit. So let me just point out four characteristics of good fruit. Four characteristics of good fruit that are produced out of a life that is abiding in Christ. And there might be more, but I just want to point out uh, the four that I saw. Uh, the first one is this. Uh, the characteristic of the good fruit, the good grapes, is love. Over the whole thing is love. It's full of love. It places itself in the position that it receives the love of the Father. It's connected to the source, and that connection to the source then flows through you and spills out to everyone else. One of the things this doesn't do is go around in the world depleted of love and looking for it in all the wrong places. It's not looking for other people to fill. You need to fill what I'm lacking. You need to fill what I'm lacking. And that's creating this really unhealthy relationship. The, the, the love that should come out, these good grapes that come out of a, a life that is connected and is abiding, that is remaining in Jesus, is, is one that goes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give of myself because I have this overflow of love from the Lord to my spouse and to my children and to my, my friends. It's not something that comes from me. It's when I'm connected to the vine that that love will spill over. The second, second good grape is this. It's humility. In verse 10, it talks about uh, surrendering to the will 
of the Father. He obeys the commands of the Father. He trusts and obeys. So that when you're walking through life and the branch, one of those branches is, is cut. You don't, you don't wish for the fruit that once was. Uh, you don't think, well, I was planning on doing this thing. No, you turn from that and you cling to the vine. You, you cling to the thing uh, that is going to produce even more fruit if you humbly come and trust his commands. That you learn to surrender to the Father. That you learn that it's not your will to be done, but his will that's done. There, there's a humility that comes out of, of people that are, are abiding in Christ and produce this good, great. Number three, we see there's so much joy. Verse 11 talks about experiencing this, this deep peace, this contentment. That doesn't matter what season you're in in life, whether it's a pruning or a dry season or a really wet season or, or any of the seasons, that there is a joy because you can withstand all of it because you're connected to the, the vine. That circumstances do not determine the fruit. So this is something the world will not tell you. Circumstances do not determine the fruit. The vine does. It doesn't matter what circumstances are going on around you. If you're connected and you're holding on to the source of life and the vine that is Jesus, then it doesn't matter what you're going through, you're going to experience joy. And not just happy all the time, but this inner sense of deep peace and tranquility, knowing that you're connected to the source and that's going to be okay. It's going to be all right whatever you're walking through, if you're connected to the vine. Here's the fourth one, the last one. It's, it's the idea of peace. Verse 14. There is a confidence in these branches knowing that God has chosen them. He's appointed them. In you, he knows all your faults, he knows your weaknesses, and he still calls you to come abide in the vine. So, so no matter what your history is or where your struggles are, he's calling you. I know you, and I'm calling you to be into this intimate relationship with me, which gives us this peace and confidence before the Lord. Now, we could probably go on and pick out uh, other uh, fruit in this whole thing. But you know, love, humility, joy, peace. There's another place we could probably go to find these exact same things. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. The this, this Spirit, as you're abiding in Christ, the Spirit in you produces all these fruits. It's not that we have to go out and produce them. Like, I need to be better at this. I need to be better at this. I need to be better at this. No, you need to cling on to Jesus more, the source of all that. And if you cling on to Jesus tighter, if you abide and remain in Him closer, then the fruit is going to come. It's not a legalistic thing. It, it, it's the fruit that just comes out of it. An apple is going to come from an apple tree. The, those flowers are going to come from my crepe myrtle. I don't, have to, I don't have to make them produce it. I just have to get rid of all the other stuff. So the Spirit, it bears witness of Jesus. If we remain in, in Christ, the fruit of the Spirit is produced. But on the opposite end, though, if we reject Christ, reject Christ if we're like, I'm going to try and do this life on my own, now, I'm going I'm to willpower it. I'm pretty stubborn. I can do it myself. It yields this life of these sour grapes. So let's look at some of these uh, sour grapes in John 15, beginning in verse 18. 
It's really the, the opposite, and it's what these, uh, the world is doing to the people that are abiding in, in Christ, and, but you'll see the fruit is so much, much different. John 15, 18 says, If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes whom I send to you from the Father, that the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. It's the end of the chapter. Let me point out four characteristics of, of sour grapes. It's really a life that's disconnected from the vine, disconnected uh, from Jesus. Uh, and, and it's not, don't think of uh, salvation issues. Think of Christians who are living their life and going, yep, I'm clinging tight to Jesus in this area, and this area, I'm, I'm trying to do it on my own. And these, and these sour grapes come out. The, the first one's this. In verse 20, when we see jealousy, you're jealous of what others have, their circumstances. If I could just have what they have, uh, I, I want that. And it's never enough, really, right? If it's always just that one more, if I could just have this, just one more, just a little bit nicer this, then I would be... Uh, there would be this contentment and peace with me. Uh, But that there's this jealousy of what others have that kind of of starts despising other people. Uh, There's this this fruit of, I want what you have, and the Lord didn't give it to me. And and it's it's sour. The second one we see is guilt in verse 22. Sour sour grapes, they, they rot. And there's the shame and guilt. And and there's there's this over them that's just like, I'm no good. Uh, I can't do anything right, so I'm going to throw the whole thing away. Who cares? I'm going to take other people down with me. And, and it's like this idea of rotten fruit that has no hope of getting uh, better or, or, or getting to be a healthy place. It's just like, just who cares now? There's this burden and rot on, on this guilt that they have that they're like, I don't know what to do with it, so I'm going to take it out and take other people with me. There's sour grapes. They're carrying, they're carrying their own guilt. I know I've done this stuff wrong, but I can take care of it. And just eats at them. Third thing is insecurity. So jealousy, guilt, insecurity. Uh, in verse 25, it talks about they, they don't really know where they belong and to whom they belong. There's no roots or, or grounding. There's this insecurity that instead of you seeing my insecurity, I'm going to attack you. Yeah, but you guys are. Yeah, but you're total hypocrites. That all coming from this insecurity because they don't know where they belong or whose they belong to. There's this insecurity that tears other people down and it produces this sour grape. And the last one is bitterness. Number four is bitterness. There's a whole section. Did you hear many times? Hate, hate, 
hate, hate. It's like they hate everything. They hate you. They hate the world that's broken. They hate it all. And, and inside, there's this, there's this bitterness that just has gripped their life. They see themselves as a, a victim of everything. The sour grapes, there's just, it just becomes bitter inside. Jealousy, guilt, insecurity, and bitterness. This is not the fruit that you were made to bear. So let's stop, just as we come to the end here. Let's stop and just reflect for a minute. Uh, where have you experienced those fruit in your life? Uh, that fruit of love and joy and peace and humility. How pleasant and sweet it is to be on a vine with other grapes that are loving and joyful and peaceful. But then there's areas in all of us that are, we see this, this sour grape come out of jealousy or this guilt that we're carrying that we need to actually confess to the Lord or to someone else. There's this insecurity. You walk in and go, I don't know where I belong. You, if you're holding tight to Christ, you, you belong to him, then everything else flows from that. There's no insecurity. There's this bitterness in you. Well, fruit actually demonstrates uh, from where they're drawing the source of life. Fruit demonstrates where you're connected to the, the source, where you're getting your strength from. Is it from God or is it from yourself? So this isn't, as we get to the end of the message, this isn't a do-better message. Hopefully you're not leaving here and going, boy, I really need to be more loving and peaceful this week. So I'm going to try really hard to do that. Uh, you're going to get, like, tonight and fail and feel like, boy, I don't have the strength on my own. This, this message is all about, as I leave here, I need to cling tighter to Jesus. I need to lean on Jesus for everything. Well, maybe you're here this morning, and you've experienced the, that beautiful fruit and, and flowers on that tree in the, in the past, uh, and the season's gone, and you just keep remembering back. Boy, I remember those, that, those flowers were so beautiful. I, I kind of don't want to get rid of all those uh, other branches that are off of there, uh, because I'm hoping, I'm just hoping those same flowers will, will come back. Do you remember when we were younger, how great it was, how great the world was? Everything was so beautiful. And, and you want to go back. Well, the idea of pruning, it's always about future. It, it's, it's actually taking things away so that you can have this future hope. And, and maybe it is this morning that you, that Lord wants to prune something in you, the, the what once was. Maybe you need to get rid of that branch and allow the, the Lord to cut that so you can have new growth, new fruit. Maybe you're here this morning and you need, to, you need to stop settling for just one or two flowers on the tree. Maybe you need to ask the Lord who wants you to bear much fruit, more fruit, that he would do a work in you that would uh, cut away and prune the things that are not connected to him. Pruning speaks of this, this future hope. And I, I think so often we're, we're looking out at the branches going, oh, I want fruit to be there or a flower to be there that we actually miss, that what we really need to do to produce that fruit is to turn and cling on to the vine, to abide in Jesus. What's it mean to abide in Jesus? I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you two uh, ideas of what it means to abide in Jesus. Uh, and there's... We've, You've probably heard a million of these ideas. But the idea of abiding in Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have been invited into the kingdom of God. 
There is a whole kingdom of place where God rules and reigns, and he's created a way to live and enter into that community. And it would be like abiding in him would be like coming into that kingdom and understanding that I'm an, I'm an ambassador. I'm sent out by the king. And there are certain works and things and people that he has in, in place for me to meet. And so as I go out of my day, I, I understand this idea that I am sent at the pleasure of the king. So that when I get up in the morning, I realize I'm being sent on the, by the pleasure of the king. I, I'm serving at the pleasure of the king. So when we move and work in the kingdom of God where he rules and reigns, we understand, Lord, you're the king. I'll do whatever you want me to do today. Uh, I'll, I'll have eyes to see that when I encounter people uh, in my workplace, in the neighborhood, I want to serve as an ambassador of the king. That, I, that I, everywhere I go, I understand uh, the Lord is here with us. The Lord is here with me. How am I serving at the pleasure of the king in whatever? And, and the Old Testament talks about this when you sit and when you rise and when you lay down and when you walk. It's those moments of transition. And so my even challenge this week is uh, as you get up in the morning, go, Lord, may I, may I serve at your pleasure today? May I understand that you are here with me? And then when you get in your car to go somewhere, you say, Lord, may I serve at your pleasure today? And then when you get to work or you get to your neighborhood, you say, Lord, may I serve at your pleasure today? The people that you have uh, come in my way or whatever you have may do. Any of those transition moments, just think, Lord, you're here. What do you want me to do? I serve at your pleasure. The, the Jews actually have this idea built into them uh, with those little funny caps that they wear. Do you know those things? You see the Jews with the cap. When they get up in the morning, the first thing that those, uh, those men do is they take this kappa and they put it on. It's a recognition that I, I am underneath God. God is there. And they go through the whole day with that kappa on and until they go in bed at night and then they finally take it off. And then they can only like move like three steps without the kappa, which is basically you need to understand that wherever you go and whatever you do, God is above you. And he's with you. And so in those times, they often say the Shema, which is Deuteronomy 6.4. It's here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Very simple. Uh, and so the idea of when you get up in the morning, say, hear, O Israel. Hear, O Joel. God's speaking. Am I serving at the pleasure of the king in these next steps? So wherever you go, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You should love the Lord our God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then we enter whatever day we are. And, I, and by doing that, we abide in Christ. So that the fruit that's produced is things like love and humility. We're going to treat people differently in our cars if we've just gotten in our car and we go, Hear, O Joel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You should love the Lord God with your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. And Jesus says, in the seconds like this, love your neighbor as yourself. And I get in my car and I drive. And that guy cuts me off. And I go, you little! <laughs> and I remember. Hear, O Joel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You should love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like this. You should love your neighbor as yourself. Lord, let me be an ambassador of you to this guy I don't like. And, and you'll begin to see the fruit grow. It's not about what you can do. It's about who you cling to and the source of life. 
Um, so we're going to transition now. I'm going to have the worship team come up in just a minute. They're actually going to, um, I'm going to ask them to come up first. But I just want to have a, a moment of just quiet reflection. Maybe there's some things in your life that are some burdens or some things that you've been holding on to in the past that Jesus is like, I just need to prune those from you. And I'm not pruning them to hurt you or, or to be like this law person. That I'm, I'm actually doing it to free you up so that you produce more fruit. Uh, I think for the older I get, the better it was. The older I get, the better it was. And this idea, as we look at that fruit from the background, boy, wasn't life so great back there? And, and I, think, I think the Lord's going, you know, I want to prune that so you can produce more fruit, much fruit, lots of fruit, because that's what I've made you to do. Uh, you might have had good seasons, and then the Lord needs to prune some of that so that you're not holding on to it so you can produce more fruit. And, and if you're here this morning and you are like, yeah, I'm I'm dry, I'm withered, I'm tired because you've been trying to live your whole life uh, on your own without connecting to the source, without, without relying on Jesus for the, the, the true vine, the true life, and you're just like, I'm just tired. I've done nothing. My, my life has gotten to this point and I'm, I'm just dry. And I'd invite you uh, as well. I'm going to be sitting up here, and actually there'll be lots of people, but I'm going to be sitting up here, and if you'd like to just pray, Say, Lord, I, I want to give my life to you. I want to stop getting the source of my life from me. I want to give it to you. I'd, I'd invite you to uh, come uh, pray with me, or my wife Amy would be happy to pray with you. Uh, and then the other people, once you're ready, uh, we'll have a time of silence, and then we'll have the worship team uh, during that time of silence come up and take the uh, communion. And then as we worship, this is not a, a, a rush to get, this is not a checkbox to get it done. We'll actually come to uh, the fruit of this vine in the cup and we'll remember, uh, we'll just allow Jesus to prune our hearts and our lives so that as we go out of here, uh, that we will bear much fruit for Jesus' name, that we'll be able to reflect, reflect him. Let me pray. Lord, I, I know my, in my own life, um, I, I get to experience both really good fruit that comes from abiding in you and seeing the fruit of the Spirit do things in my life. And Lord, I also experience um, where I'm detached from you. Where in all honesty, I'm saying, I'll do this on my own. And I see the, the fruit that comes out of bitterness and jealousy and and, and hatred, and just the rot that comes from there. And Lord, I, in those areas, I, I pray that I wouldn't try to be better or do better. I pray that I would cling closer to you, that I would be reminded over and over again as I experience that, that sour fruit uh, that I need to cling to you. And Lord, in the next few minutes, as we approach uh, the Lord's table, as we approach the elements that remind us that you've inaugurated this new kingdom and that you are the king of that kingdom and that we can serve at the pleasure of your will. And, and by doing that, we'll really abide in you and that the fruit that the world would be able to taste and see. They may hate us, but that's the fruit that, that's producing in a life that's disconnected from you. So Lord, let us be people of love and peace and humility and joy in all circumstances. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon. Or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word, to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church. Church.